This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Hey guys, welcome to the Humanist Report. This is the 54th episode of the podcast, and today I have to thank the new members and Patreon patrons that make this show possible. So today we have Che Salyers, who is a new member. We also have Chaylene Alik and Vin Nguyen, who are both Patreon patrons, Abdulatif Al-Zamal, another Patreon member, and we also received some donations from humanistreport.com people. So we have Nico, James Paris, we also have Artsim Koltsov. So thank you to every single one of these members. Honestly, this show, it really is able to grow and expand and upgrade technically because of you guys. So thank you so much for supporting it. If you too would like to support the show, visit the links down below in the description box, but so long as you watch, that is all I could ever ask for and more than I could ever hope for. So on today's episode, I will be talking about Dr. Jill Stein's VP choice. I'll also tackle a segment from former Daily Show correspondent Samantha B, where she, of course, makes fun of Bernie bros because that's that's what's hot right now. Also, Democrats are now asking for Bernie Sanders' help after treating him poorly throughout the Democratic primary. So I will talk about that, maybe rant a little. Now, additionally, Donald Trump really wants to use nuclear weapons, and he also accused Hillary Clinton of rigging the debate schedule against him. Now, getting to Hillary Clinton, so her VP choice was pro-TPP up until this point, but he immediately changed his position when he was officially selected as her VP running mate. Now, she also doubled down on a false claim that the FBI said she was truthful about her use of a private email server. So all of these topics will be discussed. We've got a little bit of everything today. We've got Bernie Sanders, Jill Stein, um, Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton. I mean, we've got the election covered. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about when this is over, but for now, let's dive right in because I'm really excited to touch on these topics because I think that these are really interesting. But before we get into the stories, I'm going to introduce you guys to a brand new segment called The Weekly Dose of Stupidity. So here that is. Let me know what you guys think. In a world of politics dominated by the strange, the deranged, and outright insane, we'll now take a moment to shine a light on the craziest of what politics has to offer. This is your Weekly Dose of Stupidity. And by the way, and if she gets to pick If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know, but... What the hell did you just say? (laughs) Nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. You're so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. Stupidity. So Dr. Jill Stein has officially chosen her vice presidential running mate, and that individual is longtime human rights activist and political science scholar Ajamu Baraka. And on her website, she describes Baraka as a powerful, eloquent spokesperson for the transformative radical agenda whose time has come, an agenda of economic, social, racial, gender, climate, indigenous, and immigrant justice. Now, Jill Stein's website also states that Ajamu Baraka is an internationally recognized human rights activist, organizer, and geopolitical analyst founding executive director of the U.S. Human Rights Network until 2011 and coordinator of the U.S.-based Black Left Unity Network's Committee on International Affairs. Baraka has served on the boards of various national and international human rights organizations, including Amnesty International USA and the National Center for Human Rights Education. Now, she also considered several unnamed activists that she didn't talk about. Um, Another choice would have been Chris Hedges, and she also talked about potentially choosing uh, Bernie Sanders surrogate Nina Turner. Now, even though Nina Turner would have been the ideal scenario for her running mate, I'm actually glad that she declined uh, because, one, I agree with Benjamin Dixon that she needs to take a break after campaigning for Bernie all this time. But also, uh, Nina Turner is someone who I think has the potential to maybe one day make a gubernatorial run and then eventually a presidential run. And if Nina Turner actually takes this position as her running mate, well, if she tries to run as a Democrat one day, what are they 
going to do? They're going to smear her and call her a traitor. They're going to say how she tried to run as a Green Party candidate. And they did this to Bernie Sanders, even though he was an independent. So clearly, they're going to have a problem with this. And if we really want Nina Turner to become president one day, I think this is probably the best case scenario, even though, admittedly, I would lose my shit if uh, Jill Stein did select Nina Turner as her VP running mate because... That would be the best ticket I could imagine besides uh, just Jill Stein and Bernie Sanders together. Uh, So in the end, I I think that we can use Nina Turner for something else later in the future in terms of, you know, building this progressive political revolution. Now, when it comes to the policy positions of Ajamu Baraka, if you're a progressive, if you're a Jill Stein supporter, chances are you're going to agree with 99% of what he has to say. Now, he's a huge advocate for abolishing the death penalty, and he's also, again, a huge human rights activist, a long-time human rights activist, and if you didn't notice, this podcast is called The Humanist Report. So, a humanist and a human rights activist, I think that, you know, they're going to get along just fine. So, if you're also a humanist and you, if you have inclinations towards that, uh, then I think that Ajamu Baraka will be a great, exciting choice for her VP pick. Now, if I were Dr. Jill Stein, what would I do in terms of choosing a VP running mate? What criteria would I look for? Well, as is the case with any vice presidential running mate, you always want to pick someone who is strong where you're weak. Now, with that in mind, there are two common criticisms of Jill Stein that I always hear on Reddit, on uh, you know YouTube, just in general. And I think that she could have potentially picked someone who would quell all of those criticisms. So one of the criticisms clearly is that she's never held public office before. Now, this criticism I disagree with because I think it's unfair. I don't care about that. I care that she has policies that I agree with. Now, would it be a great bonus if she did actually have experience in public office? Yeah, but that's not going to be make or break for me. I mean, nobody really questions whether or not Donald Trump is qualified to run even though he was born into wealth, but because he's a, quote, successful businessman, well, I guess that makes him qualified to run. No, it doesn't make him qualified to run any more than it makes Jill Stein qualified to run. Jill Stein actually has policy positions that will help the middle class, but yet people just like to attack the Green Party because that's what's cool to do right now. You're supposed to fall in line. Now, with that being said, many people actually disagree with me here because her lack of experience is a deal breaker for many people, hence why 10% of Bernie supporters are actually supporting Gary Johnson and 11% are supporting Jill Stein. Now, of that 21% of Bernie supporters that will be voting third party, all of them should be supporting Jill Stein over Gary Johnson because her policies are very close to Bernie's while Gary Johnson is the polar opposite in many ways. I mean, he might be a non-interventionist and an anti-war candidate, but he's in favor of the TPP and he wants to privatize Social Security. He also doesn't support a single-payer healthcare system. But I mean, based on many of the comments I've seen on Reddit and Facebook and uh, from anti-Hillary Bernie supporters, they're just reluctant to support Stein specifically because she's never held public office. So they don't think she's qualified to start with the highest office. So just know that that is a common criticism. I disagree with it, but we do have to take that into account. Now, another obvious weakness that Dr. Jill Stein has clearly is lack of name recognition. I mean, this is due to a number of reasons. Um, She is politically unknown. The Green Party doesn't get very much press coverage. And also, um, she's not allowed to debate. So it's basically not going to be the case that she will be able to qualify for the debates unless she could poll at 15% in five different polls and honestly time is running out so name recognition is huge right now it's it's really difficult to win a campaign if nobody knows who you are harambi the dead gorilla polls higher than jill stein with five percent while jill only receives two percent of the vote now this isn't necessarily because voters want to communicate that jill stein is so unfavorable that they'd rather vote for a dead gorilla than her but what it probably means is that they don't really know who she is although they do know that they dislike clinton or trump so they're just choosing a gorilla to one kind of communicate that they hate the system and they want to burn it down and because they don't know that there is a progressive option available in this election so with those two common criticisms in mind Here's what I would do if I was Jill Stein. I would pick someone that would either A, boost my visibility and uh, get me some more name recognition, someone really popular uh, like Nina Turner would have been fantastic, maybe Cornell West, um, or two, I would um, try to speak to the other criticism and pick someone who's held public office before. Uh, that's what I would have done. So with that in mind, do I personally like Ajamu Baraka? absolutely would i want to have a beer with him and discuss political science stuff with him absolutely and if you read some of his pieces that are on his website even though he writes a lot of stuff that may be seen as controversial 
I mean, what he has to say is incredibly interesting, and it gets you really thinking. It's stimulative. So I do like Ajamu Baraka, just generally speaking. But when it comes to the question of whether or not I would have chosen him as my VP running mate if I were Jill Stein, honestly, probably not when you take into account those two criticisms that I stated. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't going to dissuade me from voting for Jill Stein. I still am very enthusiastically going to cast my vote for Jill Stein come November. But just looking at this from a strategic angle, when you're picking a VP, you want someone that will give people more reasons to vote for you. Now, there's one more reason why I think this pick was probably not a good idea strategically. So think about why Jill Stein's support has exploded over the course of the last few months. Well, she's picking up a ton of support from Bernie Sanders supporters who won't be voting for Hillary Clinton. Now, with that in mind, you want to choose someone that will boost your credibility among Sanders supporters. Now, Baraka has criticized Bernie Sanders in ways that I think are completely unfair. So, uh, to give you some examples, he said that Bernie Sanders isn't so much interested in political reform as he is committed to Eurocentrism and normalized white supremacy. Now, he also criticized Dr. Cornell West for even supporting Bernie Sanders, saying that his endorsement of Bernie was tantamount to him, quote, sheepdogging for the Democrats by drawing voters into the corrupt Democratic Party. Now, look, I'm the first person to argue that the Democratic Party is completely corrupt, but I also contend that you can try to reform it from within. And that's what Bernie Sanders tried to do. Now, that proved to be, you know, a failure. Uh, but we can still try in the future and we can still try to reform it externally. So, I mean, even though I like Jill Stein, I have to be objective and truthful. And honestly, Baraka wouldn't have been my first choice. Other options, I mean, could have been Lawrence Lessig or even uh, Sherry Honkala, who is her 2012 running mate, who is also an activist, but didn't say these things about Bernie Sanders. Now, even with all that being said, I don't want you to get too discouraged about supporting this ticket if you are a Jill Stein supporter, because uh, they actually will be having a town hall on CNN where both Baraka and Jill will be there on the 17th of August, and you can hear him out. Hear him out. I guarantee that you're going to agree more with him than you disagree with him, even in spite of these comments. But I mean, you could put that aside, and hopefully someone in the audience will ask him about these comments to clarify what he meant by this, because clearly he's very critical of Bernie Sanders and Cornell West. But part of it is he is a self-proclaimed radical, and I think that that's fine. But I mean, for someone who you are trying to cultivate legitimacy among, which is Bernie Sanders supporters, this could potentially be damaging to the ticket. So don't get discouraged, hear him out, and know that politically, when he speaks, he sounds like Bernie Sanders. Well, I will leave you with a speech from Ajamu Baraka at the Green Party convention. And when you hear him speak, I think that you will like what he has to say because we need these types of voices in the progressive community to talk about these issues. The American people are longing for a change. They are ready to do something different. And we have to be the vehicle for that difference. You know, there are difficult conditions that the people face. You know, they tell us that there has been a, a recovery and things are all right from the crisis. But you know what? There are millions of people, people who we work with, who haven't experienced any kind of recovery. There are millions of people who still don't have a place to lay their head at night. There's a reason why the fastest growing population of homeless people are black women with children. There are millions of people who would like to have a job where they can live a decent life, but they don't have it. And if they have a job, that basically they are making starvation wages. They're working two and three different jobs just to make ends meet. But they tell us things are better. We have a situation where, as a consequence of austerity across this country, in communities where we live and work, they're closing down schools. People live in communities where they can't go to the store because there's no store. So you have like 48 million people who are living in situations where they are going to bed every night hungry. We have a situation where basically even with so-called Obamacare, 
we have millions still without health care. These are difficult conditions. Difficult conditions. And people are wondering why. Why do we have to, why do we have to accept this kind of situation? And so when the two parties attempt to try to herd people based on fear, we find that today there are millions of people who are prepared to do something different, who are prepared to go another way. And we are going to be there to provide that opportunity for a new day and another way. Do you guys remember that time when there was this guy, uh, I forgot his name, he ran in the Democratic primary and you know, the party was incredibly rude to him. He was an independent and he got booed by them. Uh, you know, the DNC tried to call him sexist and racist and they were uh, trying to rig the primary against him and slander him and colluded with the media to drive narratives that were anti this person. I can't remember who it was. Oh, that's right. It was Bernie Sanders because this was only a couple of weeks ago. Well, <laughs> after all this happened, guess what the Democratic Party now has the nerve to do? They're asking for Bernie Sanders' help. Senate Democratic candidates are clamoring for his support in swing states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, where his anti-trade, populist message could give Democrats a key political edge come November. Politico surveyed more than a dozen Democratic candidates running in this year's most competitive Senate races. Five said they would eagerly campaign with Sanders. Catherine Cortez Masto, the state's former attorney general, who is battling to keep the seat in Democratic hands after the retirement of Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid, said Senator Sanders has been a leader in the fight to get dark money out of politics and helped make income inequality part of the national discussion. Okay, so let's put on the brakes for a second. Bernie Sanders is not a leader trying to get dark money out of politics. He's trying to get money out of politics, period. Bernie Sanders wants to get money completely out of politics and move to a public finance campaign system. Uh, and you're trying to say, oh, he wants to get dark money out. No, those are two different things. Getting dark money out and getting money out of politics, period, are two very different things. One of them calls for more transparency. One of them completely reforms the system. So don't pretend like you're actually a crusader to get money out of politics if all you're willing to do is opt for more transparency. Why should Bernie campaign for you? <laughs> that, you're you're so obvious you don't even try to hide it that may work on other people but not bernie sanders supporters so the question now is what was bernie sanders answer when they asked for help no <laughs> so sanders wants to activate his own post-campaign operation before he wades too far deep for down ballot candidates first step is the formal launch of his new political group our revolution a nonprofit organization that will focus on backing candidates and promoting liberal policies championed by sanders during his campaign sanders plans to boost all sorts of down ballot candidates from those vying for a seat on the local school board to congressional hopefuls though its website is already live an official launch for our revolution is expected this month no new endorsements are expected until after the new political operation is up and running but sanders is looking for like-minded candidates who have espoused a similarly liberal agenda in their own races one aide said so he's only going to support people like tim canova russ feingold primala who are actually progressives why would he support people who are corporatist establishment Democrats. That's why he ran, because he wanted to give people an option for the presidency that wasn't a corporatist establishment Democrat. So why would he endorse you and campaign for you? And furthermore, here's what I say. Bottom line, if you didn't endorse Bernie Sanders during the primary, you should not be asking for him to campaign for you because you, by endorsing Hillary Clinton, uh, are saying that you are aligned with the corporatist, corrupt, warmongering Democrat that we don't like. So if you didn't endorse Bernie Sanders but expect him to campaign for you, take a hike. And that's not because I believe in a scorched earth philosophy and that anyone who supported Clinton is the enemy. It's because one, you can't just use somebody when you need them and then dump them when you want them to go away. And two, if you didn't support him, why should he support you? So you guys can exit the stage to the right if you plan on being a warmongering, corporatist, corrupt Democrat, because we don't want you in the party. Why would you expect Bernie Sanders to campaign for you? Now, I get it. We want to take back Congress so we actually can put forth better policies. But if you're not going to be progressive, then aren't we just getting more Republican lights in Congress? 
that would undermine everything that Bernie Sanders fought for. What I think should happen is you should go run as a Republican. So if you're not going to be like Bernie Sanders, why would you expect to exploit the passion that he was able to cultivate? Why would you think that, you know, uh, he's going to be able to galvanize support for you that you're not able to do on your own? If people aren't excited to vote for you, that's because your policies suck. And this has been the case with uh, Democrats forever. They continue to put forth corporatist, centrist policies and, you know, pretend to be Republican lights. And that never works for them. They always lose. People who run progressive campaigns do really, really well. There's a reason why Bernie Sanders got support of young people. It's because he was actually able to talk about policies that excited them. So, no, Bernie Sanders should not be campaigning for them. If they want support from the Democratic electorate, put forth policies that the Democratic base actually wants. Universal healthcare, getting money out of politics, period, not getting dark money out of politics. That's not going to make it that much better. Be a marginal improvement. But put forth progressive policies and you'll win. It's that simple. Former Daily Show correspondent Samantha B did a segment on her show Full Frontal on TBS where she talked about the Bernie or Busters that were protesting at the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. And throughout the entire clip, she teased them and implied that they're being unreasonable without addressing their main concern. So I'm going to go ahead and show you that clip and then we'll pick out some parts of it that I take issue with. But the progressive heavy petting session was occasionally interrupted by a handful of Bernie or Bust diehards who upset at the un democratic fact that the other candidate got over three million more votes than theirs responded by constructively screaming abuse at anyone traitorous enough not to be screaming abuse and tonight this night we're going to nominate a woman that would be the end and i may cry again tonight i said it a few years ago If you're going to protest your perceived disenfranchisement, maybe don't do it by heckling the guy who wrote the book on protesting actual disenfranchisement. John Lewis has spent more than 50 years fighting a civil rights battle that's not yet over. Want to see how bitter he is? If John Lewis can overcome being beaten by cops for securing black Southerners the right to vote, you can overcome the fact that a lot of them voted for Hillary. You think incremental progress is bullshit? Look at the entire Wyoming delegation proudly wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Wyoming! Cheney country is getting woke! So what do these Bernie or bust motherfuckers want? How do they plan to get it? And when will it be safe to go back on Facebook? Alana Harkin to find out. Heading into the convention, the Democratic Party was unified to beat Trump. Bernie your bus! While the Bernie or bus people were unified to beat the Democrats. We're, we're voting for Bernie. We're pushing Bernie. Hell no, we're not voting for Hillary. Hell no, this is not okay. We do not want Hillary. That's why we're here protesting. We do not want her. Do you think that Bernie still has a chance? Absolutely. I mean... I've only ran into uh, uh, all of two Hillary Clinton supporters today. Everybody else I've seen walking around Philly has got Bernie shirts on. Now something just doesn't add up, you know? I also think it's where you are right now. Uh, I'm so confused, because isn't Bernie endorsing Hillary? He has endorsed Hillary. He still has not conceded. He said, watch out for the roll call vote today. Mm-hmm. We're going to see. We have 1,900 delegates here. We'll see what happens tonight. A secret plan. So I went to watch the roll call vote to see Bernie pull off this coup once and for all. And I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. It was a tough loss. They'd worked hard, but now they were finally ready to unite the party with yet another protest. Like any domestic dispute, what began with shouting ended with the silent treatment. Quiet? This is the first time everybody's been quiet. It's like going to the spa. (laughs) But these sad mimes still couldn't stop Hillary from breaking out of the phantom zone to rule us all. So now, are you Bernie or Busters on board? 
What could Hillary do to win your vote? Nothing. Crawl in a hole. Yeah. Drops to hell where she belongs. But by not voting for Hillary, you're kind of voting for Trump. Yay! There's also there's also Jill Stein. In fact, a quarter of Bernie supporters are effectively siding with Trump. And if they didn't want Trump to win, they should have let Bernie have the nomination. But that's not how voting works. And besides, Bernie won the platform. Do you feel that this movement has, has really pushed Hillary to the left? Hillary Clinton has literally stolen, almost word for word, Bernie's platform. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, absolutely not. I mean, that's just a, a further testament of how she is willing to do and say anything to get where she wants to be in office. Even if she's saying and doing the right things? I mean, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're saying and doing the right things. Just say it, you think she's a bitch. I would sooner vote for Donald Trump than I would Hillary Clinton. I honestly think Hillary is worse than Trump. I think she's yeah, much more dangerous than Trump. He might turn out to be the lesser of two evils! Trump, imagine that! No, he's 100% the greater of two evils. If it's gonna be Trump for four years, Brace yourself. It's going to be a ride. And what about all the Muslims and Latinos who are going to be shipped out of the country? I believe that's what our, our, our senators and congressmen have to put a stop to. Do you feel extra comforted because you're white and you don't have to deal with that problem? To tell you the truth, I'm in the bubble, yes. So you're fine with the guy who's getting 100% of the white supremacist vote? No, they're no, no. bigots, they're racist, all that. I get that. but. They realize the need for the complete burning down of the corrupt political system. You want to be on the same page as the Republicans? At least we're on the same page with somebody. Was this the unity they had hoped for? Lock her up! Lock her, Lock her up! Lock her up! Where was I? What party is this? I'm a Democrat. I am a Bernie bro. You know, bro, it might be just about time to drop the word Bernie. So at one point she said Bernie or Busters were upset at the undemocratic fact that the other candidate got over 3 million more votes than theirs. Is this true? Technically, yes. But the question that you want to ask, Samantha, is why did she get 3 million more votes than Bernie Sanders? Because the DNC put their finger on the scale for her the entire time. They looked at ways to smear Bernie Sanders. They colluded with the media to push certain narratives about Bernie Sanders. It was revealed that they slandered his supporters and referred to them as Bernie bros, which is what you keep calling us in this segment, which is clearly made up. Um, and also, the election fraud disproportionately benefited Hillary Clinton, even if it's the case that she's not directly implicated in it. So when they say that the election was stolen, is that somewhat hyperbolic? In a way, yes. But are they right to feel as though they were cheated and feel as though the whole Democratic primary was rigged? Absolutely. And you completely avoided that the entire time. If this were any other election cycle and your candidate just lost fair and square, then I would have no problem with you disagreeing with us and saying that Bernie or Busters are ridiculous. But since it's been revealed with the WikiLeaks DNC scandal that they were rigging it for Hillary Clinton, well, this primary wasn't fair. And if you could rehold the primary under fair conditions where the debate schedule wasn't rigged, where they didn't try to slander Bernie, where they didn't ban his access to Van right before the Iowa caucus, Bernie Sanders could have very well won. And one report estimates that Bernie Sanders lost 184 delegates due to election fraud. So election fraud was so rampant, irrespective of the rigging that the DNC did, that Bernie Sanders might have actually won even without the election fraud. So what we're saying is that Hillary Clinton cheated, but you're, you're not addressing that. Now, she also took issue with them heckling John Lewis. Now, what she's doing here is committing the fallacy of relative privation, which means that, well, you know what? You're worried about this one issue, and I see that, but there's this issue, and this issue is more important. So unless we correct this issue, you can't worry about that issue. So because the civil rights movement is still ongoing, we can't worry about election fraud. We have to worry about the civil rights movement because that's more important. And look, are there different levels of salience for political issues? Of course, but it's a fallacy 
because as humans, we have the capacity to care about more than just one issue. So it's a way to dismiss someone's argument without actually hearing out the merits and saying, well, this is better. This argument is more important. This issue is more important. So we need to care about that. Why aren't you caring about that instead? And really what you're doing is you're just, you're dodging the overall concerns that they're bringing up and it's unfair. Now, furthermore, John Lewis is a member of the political establishment that made up lies about Bernie Sanders during the primary just to benefit Hillary Clinton. So for example, he said that he never saw Bernie Sanders marching during the civil rights era, but he did see Hillary Clinton, who was campaigning for anti-civil rights activist Barry Goldwater at the time and wasn't there. Furthermore, he sat idly by and watched as African-American protesters were escorted out of a Hillary rally and he did nothing about it. They were chanting Black Lives Matter and they were kicked out. Now, that doesn't discredit his decades of civil rights activism, but it does illustrate that, like all people, he's not perfect. Now, another point in there, they said by not voting for Hillary, you're kind of voting for Trump. And they even put up the bullshit graph where they set up this false dichotomy. So that way, if you're not with Clinton, you're with Trump automatically, even if you're voting against Donald Trump and voting for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. All right, well, let's consider that for a second. If you're not voting for Hillary Clinton, you're effectively voting for Donald Trump. All right, well, guess what the Republicans who refuse to endorse Donald Trump are being told? If you're not voting for Donald Trump, you're voting for Hillary Clinton. So they criticize their support for Gary Johnson. So I guess since us voting for Jill Stein equals a vote for Donald Trump and them voting for Gary Johnson, who equals a vote for Hillary Clinton, who's currently polling higher than Jill Stein, I guess those two things cancel each other out, right? And furthermore, if you're actually worried that our vote for Jill Stein will lead to a Trump presidency, then I've said this to many other people before, but get off your ass right now. Stop interviewing all those people and go knock on some doors, sign up some new voters who are willing to vote for Hillary Clinton and stop complaining about what we're going to do because we have a choice. I could vote for whoever the hell I want to. If I want to write in my dog... I could do that. This is a free country. I could vote for anyone who I want to. So rather than badgering people about not voting for your favorite candidate, go sign up some new voters who agree with you. That's how you win elections. That's how Bernie Sanders overcame a 60-point deficit by us doing grassroots activism, phone banking, knocking on doors. Why can't you do that for Hillary Clinton? You can't just coast off of her name recognition the entire time. Actually put in some goddamn work if you're afraid of Donald Trump. Now, one person in there said that if they didn't want Trump to win, they should have let Bernie have the nomination. And she said, well, that's not how voting works. And besides, Bernie won the platform. And look, I agree that you can't just anoint Bernie Sanders as the nominee because he polls better than Donald Trump. What does he look like? Hillary Clinton? But... <laughs> The platform is not really a win. Is it the case that, you know, we can kind of give a thumbs up? Woohoo! Thank you, Democrats. You gave us a progressive platform. Yeah, I, I can be excited about that. But we know, realistically, that the Democrats will probably not follow through on many of those promises because... They did it because they wanted Bernie Sanders to drop out and endorse Hillary Clinton. So they were willing to offer him anything. So, and since Bernie Sanders, you know, he's not one of those people who can be bribed with a, with a uh, cabinet position. Well, this was a concession. So that's all this was. So I don't really believe that uh, they're going to follow through with any of these policies that they say they will. Now, they did interview the one guy uh, who said Hillary has literally stolen everything Bernie said word for word. And then the correspondent uh, said, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, it would be if we believed anything she says. And of course, you know, she narrated over it and said, just say you think she's a bitch, implying that he's sexist. Now, this is another way to diminish someone's argument without looking at the merits of it. Imagine if anyone who I disagreed with on this podcast, I just said, meh, I'm not going to really look into your argument or uh, talk about your concerns. So you're homophobic because you disagree with me since I'm a gay dude. Wouldn't that be obnoxious? Because I, rather than addressing someone's concerns and the substance of their arguments, I'm just saying, you know what? I'm not going to address it. Homophobe. That's not how you have political dialogue in a democracy. You actually have to hear people out. Now, is it the case that homophobia, sexism, racism is still rampant in this country? Absolutely. But when you're looking at Bernie Sanders supporters, who are the most progressive proportion of the electorate, well, to say that they're sexist is honestly offensive because I wouldn't uh, be in a community with people who I think are sexist or homophobic because clearly I am a gay person. I don't be around people that don't like me. That's just, you know, I'm not a self-hater. So it's just frustrating that they keep trying to push this misogyny narrative. Now, is it the case that some Bernie Sanders supporters are sexist? Yes, but I mean, 
there are some uh, Trump supporters, Hillary supporters, John Kasich supporters who were also sexist. But by and large, many people who wanted Bernie Sanders, uh, they were initially supporting Elizabeth Warren. There was the We Want Elizabeth Warren campaign to draft her to run for president. And we're also voting for Jill Stein, who is a woman. So I just hate that they consistently use identity politics to downplay the concerns that people of lower classes have. Identity politics isn't everything. Someone who's very, very rich is more privileged than someone who is a straight white male who's poor. I mean, we have to realize this. There's nuance to the world. Now, there is a part where I actually disagree with the protesters, uh, where they claim that Trump is the lesser of two evils. Now, I don't know how many Bernie Sanders supporters believe that Trump is the lesser of two evils. Um, I disagree with that. I think that Hillary Clinton is clearly the lesser of two evils, and I'll explain why in a second. But they only showed one point of view. It's probably the case that many of them thought that Hillary was the lesser of two evils, but they didn't just want to show it. Because these type of clips where you go and interview someone with a microphone, and you know you do the sneaky edits so that way you make them look stupid, they're meant for entertaining purposes, but they're not a representative sample of Bernie Sanders supporters. So I could, I could take uh, any scholar and edit them to look like idiots. But we know that that's not really true, and this isn't meant for anything more than entertainment purposes. But actually getting to why I think that they're wrong about Trump being the lesser of two evils, even though many of my viewers disagree with me, which is fine, but most of the arguments coming from people claiming that Trump is the lesser of two evils are banking on the false hope that Trump will somehow be less of a war hawk than Clinton, but I don't buy it. They both support Syrian no-fly zones, uh, they both plan to ramp up the fight against ISIS, and Trump has stated that he would use nuclear weapons against ISIS. He said that he won't take using nuclear weapons against Europe off the table. He also wants to rip up the Iran deal which would inevitably lead to them developing nuclear weapons and then us invading them. And he also has the temperament of an eight-year-old, so I don't trust him with the nuclear codes. So at best, you can make the case that they'll be equally war hawkish, even though I don't think Donald Trump will be the non-interventionist like he's claiming. But when you add in the bigotry that Donald Trump is espousing into the equation, I think that tips the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton being the lesser of two evils. And for me personally, that decision is easy because Donald Trump said that he would specifically appoint Supreme Court justices that would overturn the marriage equality ruling. I'm a gay dude. I don't support someone who is against my self-interest. Does that mean that Hillary Clinton is a gay rights activist like she claims? No, it doesn't. Bernie Sanders was way further on the issue of gay rights than Hillary Clinton is. But I, I can see who will actually destroy my rights and who won't. Hillary Clinton probably won't give us any progress on that, even though, you know, I gave her credit for her evolution. Um, but Donald Trump, he would actually take us backwards. And furthermore, I have family members who are Mexican and I know people he wants to deport. I have Muslim friends who are terrified of him. And he also wants to punish women who have abortions and overturn Roe v. Wade. So, I mean, there's no way that I think this lunatic is the lesser of two evils. And I'm not willing to undo decades of social progress in the hopes that Trump might be less interventionist than Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump is not the ticket out of our corrupt system that he wants you to think he is. Now, does that make Hillary Clinton a more appealing candidate because Donald Trump is so crazy? No, I don't think it does. Hillary Clinton is someone who I view as very corrupt, very war hawkish, someone who's running in the wrong party. And if the Republicans were still where they were on the ideological spectrum of the 1980s, I think Hillary Clinton would fit in better with Republicans than Democrats. So I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm going to support Jill Stein. But with that being said, I can still be nuanced and have an opinion on who is the lesser of two evils of two people, one of which will become the president. You can disagree, and I disagree with the protesters in that segment, but you can make the case that maybe he's less war hawkish than Hillary Clinton. I don't buy it personally. But overall, this clip just illustrated the Democratic Party loyalism that we've come to expect from the mainstream media. And Samantha B didn't ask these protesters why they were so upset and why they couldn't support Hillary Clinton. I would bet that, you know, there's no way to gauge this, but I would bet that many of them would just reluctantly support Hillary Clinton if it wasn't the case that the DNC rigged it. But by supporting Hillary Clinton after they did that, they feel as though they're endorsing corruption. They're endorsing whatever candidate that they put forward, and they are in a way. So, I mean, you can look at this election cycle objectively and say that Donald Trump is dangerous. But that doesn't mean that Hillary Clinton is just automatically good because Donald Trump is so dangerous. Hillary Clinton is a very flawed candidate. She shouldn't have run given that she was on an, under FBI investigation. Now she came out clean, but 
I mean, if anyone else was under FBI investigation, if Bernie was under investigation by the FBI, do you think that the mainstream media and the political establishment would have been kind to him like they were to Hillary? No way. So this whole Democratic primary was just so unfair. It was so unfair. And you know, for that reason, they don't want to support Hillary Clinton. So by teasing them, you're not being funny. You're not going to persuade anyone to come over to your camp and vote for Hillary Clinton by treating them like shit. And this is something that Hillary Clinton supporters can't understand. But you're, you're just not going to convince anyone. You're going to piss them off more because that's how the brain works psychologically. If someone is going to berate you, you're not going to be like, oh, okay, you know, I agree with you. Thank you for berating me. Nobody ever <laughs> is persuaded that way so uh, you know this is just a really poor segment from samantha b and i honestly as someone who was previously a fan of her this knocked down my enthusiasm by a couple of pegs because you know she's not being nuanced here she's not looking at why they're upset at the dnc rigging at the election fraud it's so frustrating so by now, I'm a little bit late to the party on this, but everyone's already talking about how uh, Joe Scarborough claims that Donald Trump asked three times to a foreign policy advisor whether or not uh, he could use nuclear weapons and why he couldn't use nuclear weapons. So let me show you that clip uh, so that way you have the context in case you haven't seen it yet. But then after that, we're going to come back and actually discuss the implications of this and whether or not there's any validity to that claim that Joe Scarborough made. Several months ago, uh a foreign policy expert on the international level went to advise Donald Trump and three times he asked about the use of nuclear weapons. Three times he asked at one point, if we have them, why can't we use them? That's oh, wow. one of the reasons why he has, he just doesn't have foreign policy experts around. Trump. Trump asked three times. Three times in an hour briefing, why can't we use nuclear weapons? First of all, before I even discuss this, many people are challenging the validity of this claim because clearly it's just hearsay. You know, it's what one person told another person told another person. So, I mean, is there a possibility that this is embellished? Yes. Is there a possibility that it's entirely made up? Sure. But here's my question. Is this story really that unbelievable we've seen all of the antics all the shenanigans that donald trump has done i don't think this is very unbelievable and when you actually look at his response to a question during a town hall on msnbc on whether or not he would use nuclear weapons this was his response can you tell game. the middle east we're not using a nuclear weapon i would never anybody? say that i would never take any of my cards off the table how about europe we won't use it in europe I, i'm not going to take it off the table you might use anybody. it in europe I, no i don't think so but well, i'm not just say it i'll never use a nuclear weapon not, in europe i am not taking cards off the table i'm not going to use okay. nukes, but i'm not taking okay. any cards the off trouble the table. is that the sane people hear you and the insane people are not affected by your threats that's the trouble so you saw it right there he would not take using nuclear weapons against Europe off the table. Now, again, to be fair to him, he said he wouldn't use them, but he still wouldn't take using them off the table. Do you want to know what you say if you have no plans to use nuclear weapons? No. It's very simple. You don't have to do a little dance like he did. You just simply say no. So after seeing him say that, after seeing him squirm a little bit when answering the question as to whether or not he would use nuclear weapons as president... Is it really that difficult to believe uh, Joe Scarborough's story? I don't think so. And even if, you know, it's just remotely true, if he asked one time why he can't use nuclear weapons, that should be disqualifying. If you pose an existential threat, not just to the U.S., but to humanity, you should be disqualified. So here's what I want to hear a presidential candidate say uh, if he or she is asked whether or not they would use nuclear weapons as someone with the nuclear launch codes, I want them to say not only that they're going to take using nuclear weapons off the table entirely, but that we're actually going to get rid of our nuclear weapon stockpile and work with other nuclear nations to ensure that they do the same. I want a world that is free of nuclear weapons. We don't need to end humanity because two countries are bickering. No matter what you're bickering about, no matter what dispute you have, it's not worth killing the planet off so nuclear weapons i am 100 percent against nuclear proliferation and i think that each country who has nuclear weapons needs to get rid of all of them 100 percent of them and the thing that's scary is that someone like donald trump who's an egomaniac he would have access 
to the nuclear launch codes and these are readily available it's not something that you know there's a 30-day waiting period if he says he wants to activate nuclear weapons it happens like that they're meant to be used quickly so this is terrifying and someone like donald trump who is of the belief that any and all press is good press even bad press well don't you think that it's believable that he would want to use nuclear weapons just so that way he could be in the history books forever i mean even if he's the bad guy i think he's willing to be the bad guy if it means that he'll be remembered forever he'll cement his position in history he's unstable and he has the temperament of an eight-year-old so yes i do believe that if he's having a bad day maybe he will use nuclear weapons i mean again even if you discount what joe scarborough said uh he couldn't answer the question about using nuclear weapons clearly you if you can't say that you will not take using nuclear weapons against europe one of our allies off the table then you're just not fit to be president now let's be a hundred percent fair here is it the case that hillary clinton is any better well, when it comes to using nuclear weapons against Iran, this is what she said. And one of the ways of testing it is to make it very clear uh, that uh, we are not going to permit them, if we can prevent it, from becoming a nuclear power. But were they to become so, uh, their use of nuclear weapons against Israel would provoke uh, a nuclear response uh, from the United States, which personally I believe would prevent it from happening. Uh, did I hear her say that, that she is prepared to threaten Iran with uh, nuclear annihilation, even though she doesn't think it's going to come to that, um, and even though the national intelligence estimate says, in fact, uh, if anything, Iran is going backwards in terms of its uh, uh, seeking a, a nuclear device? You did hear that correctly, yeah. So it is the case that Hillary Clinton also would not rule out using nuclear weapons. Now, she didn't say against uh, Europe or one of our allies, but she did say she wouldn't rule it out against Iran. And in response to that statement, she said, what I said and what I mean is that there will have to be consequences for any violation by Iran that the nuclear option should not at all be taken off the table. That has been my position consistently. Now, thankfully... I'm not so worried about Hillary Clinton using nuclear weapons because we now have the Iran deal that prevents them from acquiring nuclear weapons. And if you've actually read the agreement, then you'll see that contrary to the belief of conservatives, it's a peace deal that puts a cap on their nuclear program. But the fact that Hillary Clinton would even consider using nuclear weapons against anyone, and she said it would not at all be taken off the table, well, we can't just put a lid on that now that Iran is, you know, they're not going to get nuclear weapons for now. We have to really take that into account. Now, when you put Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump side by side, I don't trust either of them with the nuclear launch codes. Democrats often like to be as war hawkish as possible because they're always accused of not being tough enough by Republicans. So then you see them trying to flex and pretend to be strong just so that way they can uh, dodge criticism from Republicans who are going to criticize them no matter what. Many of you missed it because the mainstream media probably didn't mention it. But as of this last week, we just started a war with Libya. We are doing drone strikes in Libya now against ISIS. That's called war. We started a war with Libya. Nobody really knows about it. So how many countries are we going to go to war with? So look, getting back to this issue of using nuclear weapons, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are both dangerous. But is it the case that Donald Trump would probably be more likely to use nuclear weapons than Hillary Clinton? Yeah, I believe that. If you actually have to ask a foreign policy advisor three different times why you can't use nuclear weapons, then not only are you not intelligent enough, to be president because ending humanity is not acceptable but you also don't have a moral compass and therefore you shouldn't run the country and be a very powerful person the most powerful person in the world effectively this should disqualify donald trump and if you're a supporter of donald trump you need to rethink your position so when I recorded last week's podcast, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were tied in the polls nationally. And with just one week later, Hillary Clinton is already ahead in aggregate polling. And Donald Trump is proving that his campaign is going down the tubes. When you have mainstream media outlets contemplating whether or not the Republican Party nominee will drop out of the race... Yeah, you're not doing too well. With that being said, we can all say that Donald Trump's campaign is going down the tubes, right? But one thing that I've always given him credit for, which I think is a smart move strategically, is he's trying to play the Bernie card. And he's saying, you know, he's against the rigged system. He pays lip service to Bernie Sanders supporters. Now, is it going to work? 
It's going to work on some people, yes, but it won't work on most Bernie Sanders supporters because if you're a Bernie supporter, then you'll be smart enough to realize that Donald Trump is a con man and all the policies that he's for, Bernie Sanders is against. Donald Trump, however, played the Bernie card again, and he's shown that he overplayed that card. So uh, he tweeted out the following statement. As usual, Hillary and the Dems are trying to rig the debates so two are up against major NFL games. Same as last time with Bernie unacceptable so this is smart because you have a lot of disenfranchised bernie supporters who are angry at the fact that the dnc cheated to get hillary clinton ahead in the polls uh, and help her beat bernie sanders so he's really trying to play to that disenfranchisement and really trying to uh gin up support among bernie sanders supporters and he's trying to make himself look like the underdog now let's just stop and think about the implications of this so let's say hypothetically speaking that this is true would it hurt donald trump to the extent that it hurt bernie sanders no, because it doesn't matter if you already have name recognition, genius. Bernie Sanders was an unknown, so strategically, Democrats had the incentive to limit debates and to schedule them during major games because if they keep Bernie Sanders in the dark, then when it comes to the Democratic race, everyone knows who Hillary Clinton is, but nobody knows who Bernie Sanders is, so they would benefit well by hiding Bernie Sanders away. But if you already have name recognition, that strategy goes out the window. It doesn't really have the same effect if everyone on the planet already knows who you are, Donald. And also, I don't believe that Hillary Clinton would benefit from rigging the debates against you because she can actually beat you, unlike Bernie Sanders, who I think outperformed her in basically every debate. So he's really trying to paint himself as this underdog, but there's one problem. The debate schedule was set Last year, neither Clinton nor her party were involved in setting up the debates for the general election debates, as they were during the primary debates. Instead, that task falls to a bipartisan commission that has no connection to either the campaigns or the parties. In fact, the debate dates were chosen seven months before the NFL schedule was even released making scheduling conflicts almost unavoidable, not the work of one campaign or party. So, is it the case? that we should be skeptical about the tactics of Hillary Clinton because they are willing to be dirty, they're willing to rig the debates against Bernie like they did. Yeah, we should be skeptical and question what they do because they've proven that they're going to do anything to win in terms of resorting to dirty tactics. But is it the case that the debates were rigged against Donald Trump? No, they were not. Um, and here's what this is really about. If you all remember, someone named uh, Donald J. Trump, I believe, actually agreed to debate Bernie Sanders but then chickened out. So here's what I think this is about. I think that he is scared to debate Hillary Clinton. And right now, he's you know, there's talks that he is getting a bad deal and he's contemplating walking away from this bad deal. But really, he's trying to save face because he doesn't want to debate Hillary Clinton because she is admittedly more intelligent than him. Even though she's a bad candidate, she lies pretty well. And let's remember, the reason why he backed out of the debate with Bernie was because it would be, quote, inappropriate to debate him because it would be offensive to not go up against the Democratic Party's nominee. So the person who rails against PC police on a daily basis was afraid to debate Bernie because it would be inappropriate. And now he's too afraid to debate Hillary as well. He's just embarrassing himself. Uh, I think it is smart to try to uh, pretend like it's being rigged against him because that will lure in some Bernie Sanders supporters. But if you are a Bernie supporter, don't buy his bullshit. It's not being rigged against him. Uh, we can be skeptical of Hillary Clinton, but we have to be objective as well, even though she's willing to get dirty. This isn't the case right here. Now, he also claimed that Hillary Clinton will be cheating in this election. Is she going to cheat and commit election fraud? I don't know. Election fraud conspicuously, uh, disproportionately benefited her during the Democratic primaries. But as of right now, we do have evidence that uh, there is election fraud in Ohio that benefits Donald Trump. So in certain areas, in certain counties, voters who are more likely to vote Democrat, uh, minority voters, poor voters, well, they're being purged from the voter rolls. So there is currently rigging going on, but it's going to benefit Donald Trump. And if you all don't know, as it's widely stated, Republicans have to win Ohio in order to win the White House. And they've determined elections consistently for several cycles now. So this is a really important state. So do you think that it's just a coincidence that all of these voters were purged in Democratic areas? I don't think it is. So will it be the case that Hillary Clinton will probably commit election fraud? 
I'm not going to rule that out after we saw the dirty stuff that she pulled during the Democratic primary, or we saw Bill Clinton campaign in front of polling stations within 500 feet in Massachusetts, even though that's illegal. Uh, and when he went into voting booths and said, pull the lever for Hillary, which again is illegal. So yeah, we can expect the Clintons to... Uh, do some dirty stuff, but we have to wait until we have evidence of that. So with Donald Trump claiming that the rigging is going on, well, so far, any rigging that we see uh, with respect to the national election is benefiting him. So don't allow him to make it seem as though he's the underdog in this election and that, you know, it's being rigged against him like it was against Bernie and you can get revenge against Hillary Clinton by supporting him. That's bullshit. You're not the underdog uh, and the debate schedule wasn't rigged against you. Nice try, though. So I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but I have to talk about another aspect of the Hillary Clinton FBI email investigation because even though it's the case that FBI Director James Comey didn't recommend that the Department of Justice indict Hillary Clinton, well, he still issued a scathing statement about her use of a private email server. There were over 100 uh, classified emails that they found, uh, and clearly she wasn't being honest about her use of a private email server. Now, how did Hillary Clinton interpret his statements? Well, she claims that the FBI said she was being truthful. So let me show you what James Comey said, and then I will show you what Hillary Clinton said, and then we'll determine whether or not James Comey thought she was being truthful. Seven email chains concern matters that were classified at the top secret special access program at the time they were sent and received. Those chains involve Secretary Clinton both sending emails about those matters and receiving emails about those same matters. I will reiterate because it's a fact. Nothing I sent or received was marked classified. All right, so just to recap here, Hillary Clinton said, I did not send or receive classified material. James Comey said, yes, she did send or receive classified material. And to clarify, this wasn't just stuff that was retroactively classified. It was just classified, period. It had classified markings. There were C's on it to indicate that this material was indeed classified, but she didn't intend to send it, uh, and she didn't understand what these markings meant. So is it the case? that it's true that she did not send or receive classified material like she maintained all year? No, that's the opposite of what James Comey said. Yet, she's still maintaining that he claims that she was truthful. Now, she said it was all personal stuff, and we've said that consistently. And as the FBI said, everything that I've said publicly has been consistent and truthful with what I've told them. Hillary, <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, if if you're caught in a lie, it, you know, if you're a politician, you don't necessarily have to own up to it and admit that you lied, right? I'm not expecting you to go that far because that's unfathomable for these lying politicians. But if you're caught in a lie and we see that you said one thing, James Comey said another, you can't pretend like we're all stupid and didn't hear what he said and pretend like he said you were truthful. We heard what he said, Hillary. So CBS News explains, Clinton then pivoted to a common attack on Trump, who has so far refused to release his tax returns because they are undergoing an IRS audit. He can say whatever he wants, but the facts remain, he owes the American people his tax returns, she added, and we are all going to keep pushing him until he releases them. Okay, so let me just pause and say that Donald Trump is really giving Hillary Clinton a huge gift by not releasing his tax returns, and that's because there's something very damaging in it, which somehow would be more damaging to his campaign than uh, the damage he's already caused. But, I mean, if he actually released them, then he could strategically say, Hillary Clinton, look what you did. You refused to release the transcripts when your own constituents, the Democratic voting base, demanded that you do that. So where's your transcripts? And this is what Hillary Clinton did back then as well. When uh, she was being asked about the transcripts, she pivoted to Republicans. And she always does this to deflect criticism. And it's one of the most frustrating things about Hillary Clinton. Uh, not only is she untruthful, not only does she lie, but she always uses the same tactic. Look, if you're trying to distract us, that's fine. I get it. But at least use something else. Maybe talk about how I'm qualified or whatever. I don't know. Just stop pivoting to the Republicans. I get it. That's a smart tactic. It's working for a lot of people. But to use it over and over and over and over and over again, 
We see right through the bullshit. So this wasn't the first time Clinton made the claim that the FBI had said she was consistent and truthful about her use of a private email server while she led the State Department. In an interview with Fox News this past Sunday, Clinton said FBI Director Comey said my answers were truthful and what I've said is consistent with what I have told the American people, that there were decisions discussed and made to classify retroactively certain aspects of the emails. Comey, however, never said that of Clinton, and the Democratic nominee's continued parroting of the claim has earned her both a four Pinocchios rating from the Washington Post's fact checker and a pants on fire grade from PolitiFact. What Comey did tell Congress was that investigators have no basis to conclude she lied to the FBI. It was not a blanket statement. So when a majority of the country actually believed that she should have been indicted for her use of a private email server, you're going to continue to come out here and lie and say that the FBI director called you truthful when we saw his statements? I mean, it's like she's actually trying to cultivate dislike and distrust among not just voters in general, but her own base. This is why so many people are going third party and are voting for Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. This is why she's historically disliked. It's because look at what she does. She doesn't help her case. You're not going to be viewed as truthful if we can see you lying and it's just brazen. You don't even care. I mean, it's obvious. One, you have to stop saying the retroactive shit because it's bullshit. Were there some emails that were retroactively classified after the fact? Yeah, but the emails that he found were not. And those are the ones that, you know, the FBI took issue with. So, I mean, the fact that she not only escaped an indictment is shocking to a lot of Americans, but that you actually have the gall to go a step further and lie about what James Comey said. Again, it was a public press release uh, that he gave to the public, the American people. So we heard what he said. We can uh, interpret what he said with our own ears. And it wasn't that you were truthful, Hillary. It's the exact opposite. It's that you've been lying for the past year, and she is not helping the fact that she is viewed as very untrustworthy among her own voters. So finally, after taking a lot of heat for lying about what James Comey said, she addressed her statement and said that she may have short-circuited, meaning that she, uh, she may have misspoke. So I'll go ahead and leave you with her statement on that. This week you told two separate news organizations that FBI Director James Comey said, quote, my answers were truthful, and that what I said is consistent with what I have told the American people. That assertion, as you know, has been debunked by multiple news organizations, which point out that Director Comey did say there's no indication that you lied to the FBI, but he didn't weigh in on whether or not you were truthful to the American people. So my question for you is, are you mischaracterizing Director Comey's testimony and is this not undercutting your efforts to rebuild trust with the American people? Well, Kristen, I appreciate your asking that because I was pointing out uh, in, in both of those instances um, that D Director Comey had said that my answers in my FBI interview were truthful. That's really the bottom line here. And I have said um, during the interview and in many other occasions over the past months, uh, that what I told the FBI, which he said was truthful, is consistent with what I have said publicly. So I may have short-circuited it, and for that I, uh, you know, will try to clarify because I think, you know, Chris Wallace and I were probably talking past each other be because, of course, he could only talk to what I had told the FBI, and I appreciated that. Now, I have acknowledged repeatedly that um, Using two email accounts was a mistake, uh, and I take responsibility for that. Uh, but I do think, you know, having him say that my answers to the FBI were truthful, and then I should quickly add, what I said was consistent with what I had said publicly. And, and that's really uh, sort of, in my view, trying to tie both uh, ends together. So Hillary Clinton's vice presidential running mate, Tim Kaine, had a politically unfeasible position on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He supported it, and seeing that, you know, that's not a way to win over support from not just Democrats, but Republicans too, Hillary Clinton had to change her position on the Trans-Pacific Partnership in order to make herself more electable. Now, do we believe that she's actually against the Trans-Pacific Partnership after lobbying for it 45 times while she was Secretary of State, after referring to it as the gold standard? 
No, I don't believe that she's against the TPP. And by picking someone like Tim Kaine, who voted for Fast Track, who supports the TPP, she's not helping to destroy that perception that she really is, in fact, in favor of the TPP. Now, here's what Tim Kaine had to say about the Trans-Pacific Partnership just a few weeks before he was chosen. Fast Track was to give President Obama the same tools to negotiate a trade deal that every president since Gerald Ford had. And of course, I voted for that. Why would I not give to this president the same tools to negotiate a trade deal that other presidents have had? Now, here's what he said about the bill. I'm having discussions with groups around Virginia about the treaty itself. I see much in it to like. I think it's an upgrade of labor standards. I think it's an upgrade of environmental standards. I think it's an upgrade in intellectual property protections, he explained. I do see, at least right now, that there is one element that I do have some very significant concerns about, and that is the dispute resolution mechanism, and I've got a lot of concerns about that, so I have no idea about when a vote would be because the majority will make that decision, and I'm not in a majority, but long before there would be a vote on that, I'm trying to climb the learning curve on the areas where I have questions. So again, much of it I see, I think, as a significant improvement over the status quo, the dispute resolution mechanism, I still have some significant concerns about. The dispute resolution provisions Kane is referring to would expand the corporate right to sue governments over alleged violations of the TPP. Now, all the parts of the TPP that he praised, well, the exact opposite is true. It allows corporations to sue if they don't like environmental regulations that bogs down free trade. So how would that strengthen the environment? How is it that shipping what little manufacturing jobs that we have left overseas to countries who uh, will pay basically indentured slaves pennies an hour going to improve labor standards? So what he's saying is not true. And do you want to know what you can do if you have concerns about the dispute resolution mechanism in there, which gives corporations the power to sue governments? You can vote no on fast track. Because if you vote yes on Fast Track, then that just allows for an up or down vote. Yes or no. It doesn't allow you to debate the merits of it. It doesn't allow you to offer amendments. But you voted yes on that. So are you really concerned about the uh, dispute resolution mechanism? Or are you just paying lip service to progressives like Hillary Clinton does? I'll give you an answer to that. He's just paying lip service to progressives like Hillary Clinton does. CBS News reports the Democrats' vice presidential candidate, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, is reversing course on his support for the controversial Trans-Pacific Partnership a day after Hillary Clinton announced him as her running mate. A Clinton aide confirmed to CBS News that Kaine had made a private commitment to Clinton that he would now oppose TPP, falling in line with the former Secretary of State's declared view on the trade deal. Raise your hand if you believe this. No. <laughs> I don't believe it. Now, here's here's the private commitment. Here's how this went. Pretend like I'm Hillary. Okay, Tim, uh, we're both going to say that we're against the TPP. Of course, obviously, we're going to pass it because we have to. That's what our donors want. But just say that you're against it. And what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to leak this report to CBS and say that you privately committed to being against the TPP, and then we'll get some credit for it among progressives. Look, if anything, here's what you do. You remain principled and you stay in support of the TPP since that's what everyone thinks you want anyways. We know that you support the TPP. So by doing this, you've proven that you will say anything to get elected. And we don't believe you. So I think this is a poor political decision. If you're in support of the TPP, just be frank with us. Because nobody's going to believe you if you switch your position on that a day after you're chosen as her vice presidential running mate. See, if you were to switch your position the day before she selected you, you can say that she selected me as her running mate on the condition that I do not support the TPP. You can say that. But if you flip the day after you're already selected, well, we know that just like Hillary Clinton, you secretly support the TPP. So this is something that is really embarrassing to them because they're they're not seeing how this comes across i mean they're not looking at it from the perspective of the optics think about how this makes you look not only does it make you look like a flip-flopper but it makes you look like a liar so you could have just saved yourself and stated the obvious what we already know that you support the tpp so honestly i think that if hillary clinton and tim kane uh if they are able to avoid passing the tpp which is what they want to do and if obama can shove it through in a lame duck session that's going to be a benefit to them. As many people have stated, that's a huge gift to them because clearly they support the TPP. Clearly they support it. Uh, so honestly, I don't know what to say about this other than I'm not surprised.
Well, that's the episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in so loyally every single week. I want to send a shout out to all of my Patreon patrons, my Humanist Report members, and anyone who donates through humanistreport.com, and welcome all the newest subscribers to the channel. We are still growing very fast, and you know, it's honestly really exciting to watch. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll see you guys next week. (laughs) 